0: This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists.
1: Good morning, in today's headlines, the death toll of the massive earthquake in Turkey and Syria continues to climb. It's now over 5,000. Rescue workers battle the elements through the night in an effort to find survivors.
2: President Biden, to give his second State of the Union address tonight, we go over what he's expected to convey in his speech.
1: U.S. senators have some questions for meta over Chinese and Russian access to Facebook data. Find out what they say in an internal document revealed about the company's practices.
2: States are now taking a bigger role in policymaking for abortion access. We take a look at a state that wants to financially support centers that offer alternatives
1: and we dive into American history to learn how it can be used to safeguard the future of the nation. An author shares his insight on what the Pilgrims passed on, the current state of public education and slavery.
2: Good morning, welcome to NTD, I'm Kevin Hogan.
1: Good morning, I'm Evelyn Lee. Today's Tuesday, February 7th. And we are starting you off with some updates from the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. The death toll has now passed 5,000. And rescuers are still racing to find survivors. Thousands of buildings were brought down by the 7.8 magnitude quake and multiple aftershocks. We'll be showing you some footage from the disastrous scene now. And it's just heart-wrenching countries around the world have now already dispatched teams to assist the rescue efforts. Turkey's disaster management agency says over 24,000 emergency personnel are now on the ground. But efforts are spread thin because such a wide area was hit. Nearly 6,000 buildings collapsed in Turkey alone. Close to 200 aftershocks have made the surge through unstable structures perilous and one jolt was almost as strong as the initial quake. And on top of that, there are freezing temperatures, which is also impeding rescue attempts. Apparently, you could hear cries from survivors from under debris. And there's many, many desperate families that are still waiting for news of their loved ones. But authorities fear the death toll will keep rising as the surge continues.
2: Now we have an update on the Ohio train derailment. A fire raged last night at the scene. This after officials performed a controlled release of hazardous materials there. A large plume of black smoke followed the boom of the controlled release in the East Palestine yesterday. Norfolk Southern Railway used small charges to blow holes in five train cars. The cars were carrying vinyl chloride. They were part of the train that derailed on Friday. This allowed the chemical to spill into a trench. They then ignited flares to burn it away. Officials say the potentially explosive chemical was unstable, and they worried it could send toxic fumes and deadly shrapnel into the air if it exploded. Authorities have evacuated a one-mile by two-mile area around East Palestine as a precaution. The zone expands to two states. Here's Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro.
3: I know it was alarming to see the big plume of smoke and the fire, but I want to reassure Pennsylvanians that the process is proceeding as planned. The EPA is working with our Department of Environmental Protection to continue monitoring the air and water quality closely. Thus far, no concerning readings have been detected.
2: Officials are still urging evacuated residents to keep away from East Palestine. And president Biden will be giving the State of the Union address tonight. It will be his second since taking office. And Jeremy Sandberg has more on what the president is likely to convey in his speech.
0: Biden is expected to tout the low unemployment rate, slowing inflation, and the January jobs report that produced better than expected numbers. Outgoing National Economic Council Director Brian Deese says the president will address a broad array of economic issues in his speech, and that the president's key objective will be telling Americans that the state of the economy is strong. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reported last week that 517,000 new jobs were created in January, more than doubling market estimates. The U.S. recorded unemployment rate also fell to its lowest level in 53 years at 3.4%.
4: One thing you're going to hear directly from the president that a core part of any viable economic strategy needs to answer the question of how are you going to keep lowering costs for families. The president will outline specific ideas on how to do that.
0: Deese says Biden will present his administration's progress in the broader frame of growing the economy through a bottom-up, middle-out economic strategy instead of embracing trickle-down economics. But many recent polling figures suggest plenty of Americans are skeptical of what the White House is reporting. A new poll by ABC News and the Washington Post revealed 41% of Americans say they have become worse off financially since Biden took office. 42% reported that their finances have been about the same. Inflation remains at a four-decade high. The Federal Reserve has increased rates eight times in the last year as it strives to avoid a recession. And Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell has indicated that he's not done with rate hikes, citing a goal to keep decreasing inflation. Biden is facing scrutiny over the response to the Chinese spy balloon that recently crossed the U.S. Many Republicans are criticizing the decision not to shoot it down sooner.
5: We've made it clear to China what we're going to do. They understand our position. We're not going to back off. We did the right thing. And there's not a question of weakening strategy. It's just reality.
0: Biden is also expected to address the debt ceiling, immigration, and the war in Ukraine. Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders will
2: be giving the GOP response to Biden's address. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. NTD will live broadcast President Biden's State of the Union address tonight. That's at 9 o'clock Eastern time.
1: A bill that would ban China and other adversaries from purchasing U.S. farmland was introduced in the House yesterday. It was introduced by Representative Mary Miller of Illinois. It's called the Saving American Farms from Adversaries Act. It would prohibit foreigners from buying public or private land in the U.S. for five years. This is Miller's first bill in the, in the new Congress. The congresswoman says America is on a dangerous path of losing self-sufficiency and farming and that Congress must respond to the economic and national security threats posed by China.
2: U.S. Senators Mark Warner and Marco Rubio have some questions from Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg. They want to know if Facebook developers in China and Russia have access to user data. The bipartisan pair say they have an internal meta-document that reveals that. Their offices released their letter to Zuckerberg yesterday. They wrote that the document shows 90,000 developers in China had been given access to sensitive user information. That includes private messages, profile data, and photos. That's despite Facebook never being able to operate in China. The senators say over 42,000 developers in Russia had access to the information, and thousands in Iran and North Korea. They say Facebook appears to have known since at least 2018. Facebook did not immediately respond to a request for comment.
1: And Microsoft is investigating issues with email service Outlook, as many Americans haven't been getting their emails for the past few hours. The server is still unable to send, receive or search email as of this morning. The outage happened on Monday night. Officials with the tech giant said they were looking into access and service issues. Microsoft later tweeted, quote, a recent change is contributing to the cause of impact. So far, there's no word on how widespread the problems are or when the matter will be resolved. Last year's overturning of Roe v. Wade has led to many changes in abortion access. One such change is states taking control of policy making. And Didies Daniel Monahan brings us more.
3: Democrat-controlled cities and states are funding efforts to provide access to abortion, while states led by Republicans are seeking new ways to support centers that provide alternatives.
6: Our services are free, confidential, and professional.
3: Kansas voters affirmed abortion access in an August 2022 vote. The state's Republican-controlled legislature has now sprung into action. It is considering millions of dollars in state funds for centers that provide alternatives. Insight Women's Center is located in Lawrence, Kansas. Bridget Smith serves as its executive director.
2: Regardless
5: of the decision, we want them to know that they're not walking through this alone.
3: According to their website, they are a faith-based organization. Their stated aim is to empower women to confidently choose life for their baby. They offer free pregnancy testing and ultrasounds.
6: Insight Women's Center has literally helped me all throughout uh, my whole pregnancy. They took my first sonogram here, um, and here in that heartbeat, is sort of just uh, melted our hearts into keeping him.
3: They also provide counseling and help women who decide to keep their babies get ready for the big change.
5: Not only are we educating them on parenting and life skills, um, even helping them with some of the heart healing and the trauma, that, the, um, trauma healing that they need.
3: The center sets women up with the same volunteer once a week to help build a relationship with them. They say the volunteers become emotional support that the women may not have in their life. The center also offers clients supplies in exchange for baby bucks they get for doing classes.
4: If they come to the education mentoring classes, they could earn everything they need, not what they want maybe, but everything they need for the first year of the baby's life. So we try to help set them up so that realistically and practically, they can raise that child.
3: Supporters appreciate the effort to financially support the centers. They say it shows the pro-life movement is taking concrete steps to meet women's needs, both social and financial.
6: I would not change anything. Uh, I've always wanted a son, first born son.
3: However, critics say the efforts fall short of what's necessary. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
2: Florida is set to dissolve Disney's special self-governing status. Republican lawmakers have introduced a bill that would end it. It would also create a board to run the Disney district. The governor would appoint the board. The legislation would allow the state to tax Disney for possible road projects outside the district's boundaries. And it would ensure that Disney, not the taxpayers, pays $700 million in debt. Authorities say it would also prevent Disney from getting more land through eminent domain and it would compel Disney to chip in for local infrastructure. The Florida legislature created the district in 1967. Disney reacted to the bill. They say they are watching its progress and called the bill complex, citing the long history of the Disney district.
1: Moving on, Poland is taking steps to strengthen, strengthen its defensive capabilities as Russia's war in neighboring Ukraine enters its second year this month. Poland acquired Patriot missiles from the U.S. last year. They have been deployed to the country's capital, Warsaw. Poland's defense ministry says that the deployment is part of military exercises. At least three ground-to-air missile launchers were seen yesterday at Warsaw's Bimovo airport. The Minister of Defense said the redeployment of the missile batteries from their base in central Poland was an important element of training. The Patriot batteries are ba- part of Poland's multi-billion dollar armaments purchases from the U.S., South Korea and elsewhere.
2: Coming up, New York City is ending its vaccine mandate for city employees, but some union leaders are saying it's not enough. And what defines America? Is it the virtues the pilgrims endowed on what would become the freest and richest country in the world? Or is it the darker chapters that partly underlie the famed and sought after land of opportunity? We hear a viewpoint from an author on this and a path forward after the break.
1: Welcome back. Some changes in New York City. It's ending its vaccine mandate for city employees. Mayor Eric Adams made the announcement yesterday. The city will also end the vaccination requirements for non-public school, early childcare and daycare staff. The mandate will end on Friday if the decision is approved as expected at the upcoming City Board of Health meeting. However, Mayor Adams says city workers fired for refusing to get the vaccine will not automatically be, uh, get their jobs back. The nearly 1,800 teachers, firefighters, and police officers will have to reapply for their positions. The union representing New York City's uh, 36,000 police officers welcomed the decision, but they say the job is only half done. Union head Patrick Lynch is calling on the city to reinstate fire officers without condition and with back pay.
2: Well, union representing other city workers who were fired are planning to sue the city for pay to compensate for time lost.
1: Adams noted that since more than 96% of the city's workers have taken the COVID vaccine, that it's the right moment for the decision. He also urged every New Yorker to get vaccinated and boosted.
2: Now on to a discussion of American history, restoring the past to protect the future. I wanted to learn more about how this outlook can benefit society, so I spoke with the author who presented it and who wrote the book A More Perfect Union, The Cultural and Moral Case for Teaching the Great American Story. He is also a former presidential assistant and White House Office deputy director. We cover the values of the early American settlers, public education nowadays, and slavery. Have a listen. Joining me now is Timothy S. Gagline, the Vice President of Government and External Relations for Focus on the Family. Thank you for bringing your insight today, Tim.
4: Kevin, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me.
2: In your commentary, you make the claim that the Judeo-Christian values of the early American settlers led to the freest nation on earth, and that efforts to trash those values have led to a polarized nation where unity is fleeting. Can you provide some support for your claim?
4: You know, it's virtually impossible to understand the history of the United States, the making of the Constitution, and the signing of the Declaration of Independence, apart from uh, its undergirding, which is categorically the Judeo-Christian tradition. And in fact, uh, in the book, Toward a More Perfect Union, of course the title is taken uh, from the preamble of the Constitution, I make a very strong case that the most often cited source at the entire Constitutional Convention, was not John Locke or any other great philosopher, and Locke was a great philosopher and very influential, but the most important single source at the Constitutional Convention was the Holy Bible.
2: From a divine covenant to a mundane covenant, if you will, with the Constitution. And according to Parents, Rights, in Education, public schools are supposed to be politically neutral. So one can infer that any curriculum that's anti-American or pro-Marxist would have to be outlawed. Can you give us any instances where the curriculum has been distorted? And if so, what can Americans do to resist it?
4: Well, I'm very glad you asked that because... It's amazing. I think we're living in the middle of not only a parental rebellion, but a grand parental uh, rebellion. Uh, People have woken up and they've said, who are on our school boards? Uh, Who chooses the curriculum? Who is the superintendent? Who's teaching uh, matters of uh, history and culture? And these are all excellent questions. And in the book, I deal very directly with where this all came from. And mostly, Kevin, it is rooted uh, in a single so called historian, uh, now deceased, called Howard Zinn. Howard uh, Zinn had a view, and the view was uh, do not have fact based history, have opinion based history, uh, his own opinion. Erase the American story, change the narrative, and he said essentially you will uh, impact uh, multiple generations of rising Americans. And now, Uh, His rewritten American history, one of the reasons I wrote this book, has become standard fare uh, in in many public and better private schools. The 1619 Project, uh, that somehow America started uh, with the slave ship the coastlands coming to Virginia. It's just not true.
2: it is very important to have an objective look at what has happened. Now, recently, Disney Plus came out with a cartoon video in which kids are singing about how slaves built the U.S. They use this claim to state that the country owes black Americans reparations. In your view, are these claims accurate? And does instilling this concept directly into young minds, is it constructive?
4: You know, I'm really glad that you asked that because in this book, once again, uh, I take this head on. Uh, Why on earth would we try to understand George Washington, James Madison, uh, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, Chief Seattle, who I deal with in the book, uh, Frederick Douglass, why would we try to understand these objectively great Americans uh, by appealing to the lowest common denominator? Slavery is evil. Slavery was a sin. That is objectively the case. James Madison, of course, Um, is the the primary author of our United States Constitution. And yet, if you go to his historic home, uh, it's become a kind of wokeism. So I think that this is a malevolent, it's a cancerous uh, type of erasure of American history and of the American story. This is an exceptional, extraordinary country. We owe it to the next generation to tell the truth about America.
2: Yes, and even the Founding Fathers, great men, have had flaws and those need to be weighed in in proportion to their successes as well. Timothy S. Gayline, the Vice President of Governmental and External Relations for Focus on the Family, thank you so much for bringing your insight with us.
4: Kevin, it's been a joy. Thank you.
1: Coming up, finding your dream home isn't easy, but creating your own from scratch is even harder. A family from Philadelphia spent two years transforming an old farmhouse into a home they love. And now they're inspiring others to invest in family traditions and faith. That's coming up, so stay tuned.
2: Welcome back. Want the best seat in the theater the next time you go to the movies? If it's an AMC, arriving there early won't be good enough. Soon, you'll have to pay. The movie chain has announced it's introducing new ticket pricing options that depend on where you sit. For now, there will be three options. First is standard price, which AMC says will be for the most common seats. If you want a seat in the middle of the theater, you'll have to pay a premium. If you'd rather save money and get the cheapest seat, craning your neck in the front row will now cost less than a regular ticket. The new pricing initiative rolls out Friday in New York, Chicago, and Kansas City. It's set to hit all AMC theaters before the end of the year.
1: Have you ever wondered what it's like finding your dream home or creating it pretty much from scratch? That's exactly what a family from Philadelphia did after years of peddling houses and moving about, they finally found what they wanted. They turned a 300-year-old farmhouse into a home they love.
5: A mother of five, California-born Ruth McKenney used to work as an attorney before dedicating her life to being a homemaker and a stay-at-home mom. When she and her husband, Bob, moved to Philadelphia, they began buying old houses, which they would fix up and then sell.
6: So we literally moved with well, now five children, but we moved every 18 months to two years, redoing old homes. And we would take each one of our children has been born in a different house. So we did that for about 16 years.
5: But initially, their limited budget meant they couldn't afford a home that was already livable.
6: We lived in each of those houses. So whoever washed the dishes, the dish we had no kitchen, so the dishes would be in the bathtub. Whoever took a shower had to wash the dishes. So it was very stressful.
5: Eventually, a local realtor came up with a 300-year-old derelict farmhouse that was the only affordable option to them. The building needed a complete makeover from stone walls that had fallen down to plumbing and electrical.
6: So she brought us to a home that was sliding off the foundation and she said, this is what you can afford. So Bob and I literally, we went to Home Depot, which is where, um, you know, all of our tools and things are in the United States. And we began to learn. He learned how to work with tools and how to be a craftsman. I learned how to design and hang wallpaper and paint. So it was really something born out of necessity.
5: Originally an early 18th century dairy farm. Now it's the family's home and a place they say they'd like to stay permanently. But what's more, it's also a place others love to call home. She believes that her Christian upbringing and strong faith played an integral role in this.
6: My dad grew up in China. So he was from a missionary family, actually, and grew up in Hong Kong, loves, you know, all of Asia. So I love that. But so I got to grow up with uh, we lived with my grandparents for a time and we had constantly people from around the world coming through their home. And what that that was so formative to me.
5: Ruth says when you have people come into your home, it isn't just a blessing on you. You are blessing them.
6: I know the value of home. I think it is the bedrock of everything. I mean, your faith and your and your home. Um, as we talked about, I think even culture hinges on whether home is intact. And uh, so, the quicker we get to fixing our families and our homes, I think that it will it will make a far greater impact.
5: Ruth is also a published author. Her book, Hungry for Home, is a guide for any homemaker on how to make a house a loving, welcoming space with family at the center. Ruth hopes their renovation story inspires others to bring a loving, caring intent into their own homes. Oh, wow,
2: what a great transformation they did.
1: How nice, right? I really love what they made of it. Yes. Uh, And a friend of mine actually built their home from scratch as well, so it must be really hard. But I can only imagine how awesome it must be seeing it come together.
2: Yeah, well, I'm sure it's a little bit stressful and, you know, fun, too. And, And talking about stress or the lack thereof, people in Japan are living out their creativity. They developed a new concept of resting anywhere and anytime. A department store in Tokyo has only just opened for the day and there's already a customer lying on the floor. The concept was born out of the idea of a cushion that would allow you to totally let go anytime, anywhere. You can put this on and chill out in your living room or other places. The idea came about after a prototype version became popular among staff at a company event. The wearable bean bag comes in three sizes, one for children, a medium and a large which sells for about $120.
1: I mean, whoever came up with this really deserves a medal, but also this is not what I imagined when I read it.
2: Yeah, would you ever wear one?
1: Uh, I don't know, I imagine it would be awfully hot though. (laughs) But I mean, lying down wherever you want, why not? (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah, well, what do you prefer?
1: uh, Probably a hammock or something. Oh,
2: what about a beanbag hammock?
1: Ooh, <laughs> I think you're onto something. There's an idea, million dollar right? ideas right there. <laughs> All right. That's it for today. Write us at goodmorning at NTD.com. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee.
2: And I'm Kevin Hogan.